Hello there, and welcome to this Avenard and CIO podcast series, investigating how IT and security leaders navigate uncertainty and beyond. I'm Doug Drinkwater, contributing editor at CIO, and today I'm joined by Avenard Sangeeta Dewan and Jason Revel. Sangeeta is Director of Energy and Resources, and Jason is Director of Security Consulting in UK and Ireland. Welcome both. Thanks for joining me. Pleasure. You're welcome. So in this second episode, we're going to be talking about how CIOs, CISOs, and other business leaders reconfigure security for this new remote working world. And over the course of the next 30 minutes or so, we're going to look at a number of things, including the state of cloud security, where CIOs are amid a global crisis, the myths and misconceptions around cloud security, and also how they maintain security in a seemingly hybrid IT world. Towards the end, we'll look at how they build a modern security stack for hybrid and multi-cloud, the rise of DevSecOps, and finally, hopefully along the way, we'll be uh, providing some best practice on the tools, techniques, and teams needed to improve your cloud security posture. To get started then, and starting with you, Jason, what's your take on cloud security at this moment in time? Now, obviously, historically, it's something that perhaps CIOs and CISOs have feared, um, and I guess over the last couple of years, you could argue that that's improved um, in particular for advances for the likes of uh, GCP, Azure, and AWS as well. Um, however, at the same time, we are still seeing those cloud-based vulnerabilities and attacks. Uh, and obviously now we're in this remote working world, which we'll dive into in a few moments. But in, in summary there, what, what do you see right now in terms of cloud security uh, and how CIOs and CISOs are approaching that? I think it's been very interesting recently with the you know dramatic uptake in remote working. Uh, I kind of split clients into two categories. Either they were already adopting cloud security or they were kind of forced to adopt cloud security as a result of remote working. And the former, you know, generally um, were able to respond much more quickly. They were able to, for example, uh, rapidly scale up remote working solutions with the comfort and um, controls already in place around the cloud to protect those solutions. Whereas the latter, you know, very much had to quickly um, react and get up to speed with what the cloud security posture needed to be for the for the scale that they suddenly needed to uh, introduce to the business to respond. So I think, you know, for the former where customers were already on that cloud security journey, I think it's paid dividends and they've been rewarded by taking those braver steps at perhaps earlier on in the cloud, uh, on the cloud journey, whereas those that have been slower to react have really felt the pain and have, have struggled to scale as quickly. You know, it's 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 very easy to adopt cloud and to suddenly start spinning up new resources, but unless they got the security model right, it's less likely to be a success when releasing it to the end customers or employees. Fantastic. I guess taking a slight step back on that, Jason, um, who do you see as being predominantly responsible here for, for security in itself. You know, I think when we spoke before, we were kind of viewing it as CISOs are responsible, of course, if the organization has one, for the risk management piece, and CIOs are more there for the technology tools and controls that help mitigate the risk. Um, but obviously, historically, again, that relationship hasn't always been the, the easiest. So, so who do you see as being accountable for this right now? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. The, the accountability 
you know, very much has to sit with the business, right? And the CISO's job is to um, to manage and maintain that risk. However, it tends to be the CIO's job to drive the technology platforms and tools that the business needs to grow and evolve. So I certainly, from an accountability perspective, see it really sitting at that C-level in the business, um, you know, at the kind of the very top CEO levels, really. But the real doers, the the, the actors in making sure the business is safe and secure, I feel, is a, should be a joint responsibility between the CISO and the CIO. I think, you know, both functions of the business need to work much more closely together. CISOs have the unique challenge of scale because there is a global cybersecurity skills shortage, right? Uh, whereas there's not quite the same shortage of skills around DevOps and, and cloud service provider skill sets. And that's where companies like ourselves come in, uh, you know, where we can provide the uh, capacity to the CISO team with experts in the cloud service provider security technologies to really help them be you know, present in the as part of the project and the ongoing deliveries. Fantastic. Thanks, Jason. Um, so, Sangeet, I want to come to you next and almost expand upon some of Jason's comments earlier. Um, in your view, how do you think CIOs and CISOs would kind of rate their, their cloud security posture right now? Um, it, it sounds like from what Jason was saying, that almost those that had kind of moved there earlier, um, certainly ahead of the lockdown, would, would be in a better place than those laggards, perhaps. Yes, I think the the greatest factor and indeed temptation for CIOs and CISOs is to start what, with what they already have. So legacy, uh, I would say, is 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 the the, the greatest um, factor here. They look at the the apps they have, the infrastructure they they've inherited, the the skills in their own teams, um, and. And they're tempted to begin an assessment based on those things um, rather than assessing for threats and for the future, um, which is really kind of where, where they need to be. Fantastic. Um, Jason, anything to add there? I know you've got some comments on, on that point as well. Yeah, and just, just to build on what Sangeet was saying, you know, as well as the, the legacy skill sets, the legacy um, technology implementation, there's also a lot of legacy security policy. Um, and as part of the process of, of moving to the cloud, there really does need to be quite a significant rethink as to how security policies and the underlying controls that mitigate the risks are, are looked at from a cloud perspective. Uh, we see too often customers trying to apply a legacy on-premise mindset to, to cloud security, and that really just, you know, really significantly hinders the flexibility, adaptability of the cloud. Great, so thanks for that both. Um, I mean, actually, I want to kind of build upon those comments around legacy policy, legacy IT as well, because obviously, I guess the larger the organization, I guess you could argue that becomes more of a something to consider, something you need to um, consider when you're kind of modernizing your IT estate or applications. And, and Sangeeta, perhaps going to you on this, it, in reality, is it possible that most CIOs, most CISOs kind of end up in some kind of hybrid IT estate where, and, and we've heard this only from some of the CIOs we've spoken to, that the cloud or certainly public cloud is very attractive for those non-critical workloads but obviously they do still have those kind of mission critical workloads and, and sensitive data that has to reside perhaps on premise or, or in the private cloud as well so i guess the question there is are we ending up in that hybrid it estate and what does that mean for security as well 
Okay, interesting. So, so what we're seeing with our clients is actually slightly different. Um, a lot of our we we've seen clients increasingly adopting um, public cloud, even for sensitive workloads and critical workloads, um, simply because it is so so robust these days, and and indeed security plays a part um, because you know. Um, if you look at how much a uh, AWS or Azure or G- Google Cloud Platform, how much they, they spend on protecting that platform, um, most individual companies are not able to match that spend. So, so we are definitely um, in a, in a place of hybrid IT currently, but um, lots of um, uh, clients are are moving more of their sensitive and non and critical workloads um, into the public cloud. So it's quite possible that we're in an interim state and folks are are, are able to go cloud cloud first and cloud native. Um, so in a few years' time, maybe that's that's all that we will we will see. Um, you know, we kind of await await developments. Yeah, and I think you know, just to add to that, you know, we, especially you know, in the in the FS sector, you know, with some of the new regulations that came out around payments processing, you know, that the speed and agility needed to meet those regulation deadlines really accelerated in that sector their needs to adopt the cloud and and the surrounding cloud security controls, and I think many other sectors such as you know energy and and retail are seeing those same time pressures and, and the cloud is seen as the you know the only way to really achieve some of those and that's where a lot of the traditional let's do it on prem because it's sensitive those barriers have started to come down you know really due to the kind of maturity of those cloud providers but also some of the time constraints that regulators are bringing mm-hmm. into the mix yeah and that's some good comments um and, and really interesting on the azure piece as well because i know speaking to to one analyst in particular recently he, he kind of sees the the, the kind of short to medium term future being where CIOs and CISO are going to a preferred cloud, um, perhaps, and, and 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 are starting to move some of those mission critical workloads as well. Um, I mean, I guess to take a slightly step back into where we are at the moment, I guess the, the elephant in the in the virtual room, um, as we might describe it, um, is obviously COVID nineteen and, and where we are at the moment. Uh, people working from home almost exclusively. Um, Sangeeta, from your perspective. To what degree has this kind of remote working world shifted some of the practicalities around security? Um, I guess some of the examples that spring to mind is, you know, there's no physical access to data centers, for example, to provide patching. Um, obviously, the, the endpoint, uh, you know, who knows what's going on with that to some degree. People might even be using their own devices. Um, and obviously, we're seeing all the while we're seeing changing cyber criminal tactics as well. Um, so, yeah, Sangeeta, can I start with you? And then, Jason, I'm sure you might have some additional comments after Sangeeta. Yeah, sure, Doug. So we're seeing our clients seriously reassessing what they use their offices for. Um, we're delighted to see that so many clients have managed to pivot to a remote working world. We've seen um, and been part of some some great um, IT teams making quick changes and and rapidly helping their organizations pivot to remote working. So that's that's gone well. And indeed, in some cases, that's given um, CIOs um, uh, and and, and CISOs who've helped them 
a good platform at board level because, um, you know, they've managed to keep the business going uh, in a difficult time. Um, but I, I do think that um, this gives everyone an opportunity, therefore, with that platform to assess um, how they're going to change their security standards and practices to make it more flexible for their workforce, even after we're, we're through um, this difficult time, um, where location agnostic is built into the strategy, just like cloud first is often built into um, IT strategies these, these days. Um, especially because with returns to work, um, they are going to be phased, they are going to take some months. Um, and, and I think that those who started on their cloud journey um, are, are best placed um, to take advantage. Yeah, I think it's um, it's been an amazing period to be working in in IT security. To be honest, I mean, I've seen some crazy and some wonderful things throughout the the last couple of months. I think one of the biggest takeaways I've driven is that this is possibly heralded in the death of the VPN. Um, I think lots of uh, going back to my earlier sort of two types of customers. For those that did adopt the cloud, they leveraged it, uh, and many customers leveraged it to really scale up on VPN. However, the fact that they even had to perform that activity and the fact that they were still having to suddenly enable their entire workforce to have this tunnel into their environment has just brought a lot of inherent risk uh, as a result of the weakened security postures of people in their homes. So I think, you know, as as many of our clients are already starting to think around shifting from VPN to more zero trust uh, identity and access models uh, around ensuring that they're able to not just leverage cloud service providers, but also SaaS security providers to replace legacy approaches like VPN to to enable that remote working workforce. And I really liked what Sangeeta said there around a kind of factoring in almost an anywhere access mindset as, as well as a cloud first mindset. You know, I think that's absolutely true. But the security around that is going to be absolutely critical so that you're only allowing access from those sorts of countries, regions, or even kind of you know, locations that you want your people to be working in. Yeah, fantastic. Thanks, Jason. Some good points. Uh, obviously, zero around zero trust, and yeah, like uh, Sangita said, I like the uh, the kind of anywhere access um, approach. I guess organisations have no choice to but to to move towards now. Uh, I mean, I guess we're keep, keeping with that theme around modernisation of security and, and the legacy piece as well. Um, and Jason, I'll kind of keep with you on this before going to Sangeeta. But how, how are you seeing the security defences having to adapt accordingly? Because I guess um, a lot of CISOs and CIOs would perhaps say that they were in that process anyway before lockdown. And the lockdown simply accelerated that. But, um, you know, I guess looking at those legacy tools, you know, the likes of antivi antivirus, firewalls, um, simply not as effective as they once were. And, and nor, too, is that kind of castle mode approach where you could simply hold everything behind a perimeter and, and assume that you were safe and protected, really. Yeah, I mean, I can't uh, understate the importance, you know, of training and comms as much as the tooling approach as part of this remote working shift 
you know, even ourselves, you know, a very well protected organization have seen a huge uptake in the in the amount of targeted fishing and whaling attacks. Um, we have a really, you know, really, really good um, cybersecurity training program. And we were all as employees very much prepared and for, forewarned for, for that burst. But, you know, many of our of our uh, clients that we talked to didn't have those same sort of training and comms approaches ready and in place and they really got caught out by huge surges of these covid related uh, phishing and, and ransomware attacks and scams so as much as the kind of the, the the controls aspect you know that you know it's one of the critical controls really is, is those training and comms um and from a tooling perspective actually surprisingly because the security tools have been on a on their own journey to the cloud you know as as people have upgraded and maintained those tools actually there hasn't been such a such an impact the main impact I've seen is around um, actually remote patching, uh, which is more of a you know more of a configuration challenge than than anything else. Um, I guess I, I would I would echo that um, clients are really looking closely at protecting their data and, and focusing on identity rather than using you know good old perimeter security or or you know stuff at the network layer. Um, and, and and this can only kind of pro- progress in this direction. I, th- I think the the bit that still interests me, I guess, is is the good old human factor that Jason was talking about. I mean, um, even a, a few few weeks ago, um, an individual at one of our clients clicked on a link. You know that that stuff still works, and um, uh, I guess cyber threats are, are getting more and more intuitive in getting people to 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 be the um the weakest link as it were so um the training and comms that jason were, were, was talking about and sort of consistent regular training um uh, for different types of people who may or may not be so well versed or or um you know used to computers it and so on um that that's really key in this space. Yeah, absolutely. And I do feel for those security teams that uh, were trying to kind of implement security awareness training uh, during the time of lockdown because uh, uh, they have a battle on their hands at the best of times to get people to to take this training and, and to improve their knowledge, uh, let alone during a, a global pandemic. But there we go. Um, I mean, I, I guess where I'd like to go next is almost back to the start of where when we start speaking today, yeah, speaking about cloud security and how we've seen it evolve over over the years. Um, but to that point, Jason, have you seen any kind of myths or misconceptions around cloud security? Um, I guess there there could have been a few, certainly a few years ago, around accountability, accountability and transparency and and that kind of thing. But what what do you see when you're speaking to those IT and security leaders? Yeah, it's um, one of the, one of the biggest misconceptions, and it's it's actually the topic I always touch on first when I'm kind of taking new new clients through cloud security. It's around that shared responsibility model. It's about understanding who has responsibility for what when you're hosting data and, and effectively a, a Microsoft or an Amazon data center. And you know, it still surprises me today how many of our uh, clients that we engage with really do feel like the cloud service provider should do more, um, you know, in terms of protecting their data uh, and protecting their identities. Um, And it's a really fine 
line, right? A balance between sort of social security responsibility to your customers whilst also still, you know, making profit from services. You know, so we've seen trends recently, for example, Microsoft made uh, MFA free, for example, you know, one of the most critical and most high priority controls for any cloud service is, is multi-factor authentication. And Microsoft have slowly gone on a journey from, you know, it's free for 10 admins and then you, you pay for a premium license and now it's just you know, for the for the most uh, common use cases, it's completely free, um, and I think a lot of that has been driven really by the these misconceptions, um, which have then effectively emerged into more pressure on the cloud service providers to do more. Yeah, absolutely. I guess there is that risk that um, they could be viewed as some kind of silver bullet when that's that's never really the case. Um, I mean, I guess on the culture piece, we're speaking we've spoken a lot about. The, the, the kind of if you look at people process and technology we've spoken a bit about technology um that process as well but from a people perspective i guess following on from the comments about training i guess that's from a you can argue from a, a bottom-up approach of, of keeping taking your employees with you as you improve the security maturity of your organization but i guess the key piece and sankita i'll come to you first on this is and you touched on this earlier actually is is how you bring the boardroom with you on, on modernizing security in the cloud because um, that's been a, a challenge for a number of years. Often it's, of course, down to their own knowledge um, of security and, and how how you communicate that message to them as well, right? Yes, I have um, sat with many heads of IT and CIOs who, you know, who've, who've wanted to work out how best to frame the approach to the board or who felt that when they, they do go and speak to their board that um, that support isn't forthcoming. Um, and, and so what we, we've seen work best at our, at our clients is sort of using, um, uh, you know, simple um, terminology, simple words to explain what the modern threat landscape look like. Um, reinforcing the fact that it's changing all the time and that kind of regular touch points are needed to stay updated and kind of abreast of the latest best practices and measures. Um, equally going in with a recommendation as to as to what um, could be done, but also factoring in what the business case around that looks like. Um, a lot of cloud security these days is sort of consumption based. So it's much easier perhaps um, to, to ask for OPEX um, mm -hmm. rather than CAPEX in this situation, but but equally sort of committing to and, and seeing to it that cloud security is woven into the changes that are being made in IT for every project and every business case that is that is going through. Um, even legacy IT estates do go through changes at network level, at infrastructure level, at application level. So if you take the medium term view and build improving security into every business case, um, it it looks um, easier for, for boardrooms to to follow that journey and indeed to invest in that journey. Yeah, it's certainly a lot easier for security to be successful as part of a project when it's literally baked into the overall business case for for the, the business motion that the cloud is serving. Um, 
it quite often, if it's forgotten about as part of that initial business case, you know, you're talking about asking the board for more money for something they've already approved, which is never a good starting point. Um, and when you kind of do build it in, or if you're making a security only business case, you know, I think there's two main aspects, you know, the risks of the cloud are not what they were 10 years ago. And, and perhaps the second point is one of the ones that astounds me still the most is that if you are dealing with a slightly nonchalant board, it's about making that risk real, serving up real examples of some of the real human and business impacts that you know a, a security breach has on the business uh, and its people. Um, you know, I think leading with fear, uncertainty, and doubt is less effective, and it's not something I advocate, but leading with a human impact is certainly something that I've, I've seen how really resonates with the board members who, you know, tend to very much care about that aspect. Yeah, I think that's a good point about, um, I guess how you, that's a fine line, isn't it, it, it there really, between um, presenting the real risks and to the business and to uh, various parts of the business, but the, the fear, uncertainty, and doubt as well. So I know you're certainly speaking to one CIO some years ago. He said that uh, in his particular case, um, they had a CISO at a time that was it was too heavy on that kind of fear, uncertainty, and doubt, and they ultimately parted ways because of that. Um, not being able to articulate that, perhaps, or the, or the risk in business terms is perhaps the best way of of describing that. I mean, I guess just on this point of baking security in uh, into the into each kind of business project and your business goals, that kind of leads me quite nicely to the next area I want to go, which is you know how how you bring security into and the application teams closer together. I guess we've heard recently, or certainly over the last couple of years quite a lot of talk about security shifting left and becoming embedded much earlier in that software development cycle and this I guess DevSecOps is probably the the buzzword around that. Um, Jason from your perspective is, is that kind of become a reality or, or, or not because again there's a lot of hype around the term but I'm not sure how many organizations are actually doing that. Um, I'd still say it's on its journey. Uh, I'd say it's still very much taking off. I think the maturity around DevOps is still taking off and, and DevOps is really the vehicle that's going to bring that sort of DevSecOps along on the journey. Um, even in, in terms of traditional software development, you know, I still don't see 100% of software development projects um, factoring in things like, um, you know, the secure development life cycle, you know, which our customers are, are just not as mature as perhaps we would be in, in that aspect. And, um, you know, and it's really important, you know, a very high percentage of security vulnerabilities can be identified in, this, in the development life cycle and, and remediated at that point in time. You know, and if that's not done, then you're relying on other control factors to achieve that. Um, or in some cases, they don't even have those other controls in place. So, you know, it's I wouldn't say it's there yet, but I think a lot more organizations are waking up to it as part of that journey to the cloud. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Um, I'd, I'd also like to add, Doug, that um, it's not just in, in, in software, but also in, in infrastructure, especially with infrastructure as code coming to the fore. Um, we've seen that where security is embedded um, with an infrastructure uh, build team in, in the cloud that 
not just um, the project as a whole prospers, but also InfoSec when they come to give authorization at the different stages for that project. We've seen that that works a lot better as well. Interesting. Thanks, Ankita. That's a good example, actually, of another, um, I guess, IAC is something we might hear hear of more in the coming months and years, really. Um, we're pretty much out of time, actually, both. But maybe, Sangeeta, keeping with yourself and then Jason, um, always like to finish on some kind of good practical advice for those that are listening that maybe are looking to improve their cloud security posture, especially given where we are at the moment in the middle of a, a kind of a worldwide lockdown. Um, what would be your kind of top tips, Sangeeta, and then Jason, we'll get yours as well. So, so mine would be that given the way that security uh, threats evolve constantly, that that we should be all approaching this as a as an incremental approach. So, building a security lens into every project that takes place, and therefore it's built into every business case. That is probably the easiest way to bring the entire organization on the journey um, rather than sort of big bang monolithic programs. That that would be, my top tip would be an incremental approach. Yeah, I mean, we've um, structured our approach around this, around an, an approach of respond, reset, renew. So like I said, at the start, we've seen a lot of people responding and where they have cloud security and cloud adoption in place, they've been able to respond more quickly. Um, and we're kind of taking clients on the journey of now looking at how they reset and renew their approach to cloud security to, you know, perhaps shift, for example, as I mentioned, from the VPN to that zero trust model. Um, and I think it's it's about looking at it as a as an actual structured plan and journey. Um, you know, anyone who thinks they've cracked remote working because it's working right now, I think is probably not looking at history and looking at the digital workplace transformation journeys that a lot of you know big clients have been on the exact same thing is going to happen in in remote working there is going to be this this urge and this desire to completely overhaul and improve processes operations and the user experience around remote working and, and that's what respond reset renew is all about fantastic um sangeeta jason we're actually out of time but really appreciate your time and and insights today has been uh, enjoyed the chat cheers Doug thank you thank you very much bye fantastic and of course thanks to you listeners for tuning in today up next in episode three of this series I'll be speaking with Avanard Eric Allen and Paul Veach on modernizing application development so do tune in then in the meantime if you want any further information on the topics discussed today you can head to avanard.com or cio.com for CIO I'm Doug Drinkwater thanks goodbye and see you soon <laughs>